All right, this is Reg Clay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> and we have a fantastic guest, Lisa Kang, who is a playwright, a former actress, a lifelong um, artist in the Bay Area, and she approves the music, <laughs> which I am very, very thankful for. By the way, Will Hammond guessed the music. Yeah, I remember, Did, yeah. I remember. <laughs> but I think there were a lot of people trying, and they just couldn't figure it out. Right, so I'm, I'm glad I can keep my 500 bucks. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, Lisa Kang, thank you so much. This is Thursday, and this is very unusual for us having uh, a po- podcast on the weekday. A weeknight, I should actually say, but we have things going on on the weekend. Which we will get to, yeah. <laughs> Which we will get oh, to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but thank you so much. Oh, for thank you. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as happy, oh, happy to be here. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as I begin each week, um, how, was, how was your day? How was, how was your week? School started All right. this week. Yeah. Um, so my son is starting his junior year. Even just the term my son, I've, I've been married for two and a half years. Oh, oh. You grew so fast, it, don't <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so getting used to just the concept and all that. But I, uh-huh. I accept it, and, oh, I and it's okay. Stepson. I see. Um, but, yeah, he just started his junior year and immediately was negotiating things with his mom. And I'm just – I'm in the other room. I'm that guy. I'm just the other – I'm the other adult in the house. Mm-hmm. I'm not the parent. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's interesting. It's fun to watch – you know, I remember seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, mm-hmm. and now here we are at eleventh. Yay! <laughs> um, and he, in so many ways, is growing up and maturing, and in yeah. so many ways, is still a child and annoying. And just navigating that has been been a huge thing. And I have very little going on this week, so mm-hmm. it was a lot about sort of tracking that and thinking about what I wanted to get done around the house. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm in my yard closed because I was I got a uh, not a weed whacker a weed whacker I know how to work a hedge mm-hmm. trimmer okay um, the tool lending library yeah has a hedge trimmer so I got one is it that like the thing it's almost like a it has blades yeah it looks uh, like um, what's the uh, the it's almost like a chain shark or something yeah it's almost it's like a chainsaw like yeah yeah okay. and it just <clears throat> like scissors no like a no it's, dad? it's got a like a Okay. You know, there is this at one shark. It's like one blade, and it has like teeth on both sides. Right. But what it has is um, a frame that has that shape, and then a moving blade underneath. So, uh. and it's big enough so that you can get something almost an inch in diameter, mm-hmm. maybe half an inch in diameter. If you just push it up against it, that thing is going zip, zip, zip back and forth. <laughs> and so I hacked up a couple of bushes in the backyard, and was like, okay, I have to go return it. <laughs> Nice. We did a little bit of work in the uh, back. Yeah, as you were talking about, just I remember the 11th grade, and it, there was a mixture of confidence because you're not a freshman anymore, mm-hmm. but also anxiety because you're getting close to going off to college and right. all that sort of stuff and sort of the great unknown. Everything that you're doing in junior year mm-hmm. matters. Right. More than yeah. anything else matters. <laughs> yeah. Do you have kids, Lisa? Uh, no, I don't. But okay. I teach kids, and I know that uh, that junior year is the hardest for them. It's when you have all the big classes if you go right. into college and the decisions, and you're supposedly mature by that time. Right. 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 Yeah. Now I remember. I remember going through a lot of that. And we I'm were talking. About, I remember. We were talking a couple of podcasts ago that. They were, uh, I think, eliminated. There were a couple of uh, universities eliminating the ACT oh, right. AC- and the, AC- uh, the SAT. SAT. Mm-hmm. 
which I have some mixed feelings about. It's like, I don't know if they're lowering well, the standards for getting... When I read it, the guy who created the SAT apparently was, was kind of a... I'm now my newest struggle at you know intellectual struggle is the term white supremacist mm-hmm. because it basically has replaced racist. Everybody is quick to tell you that they're not a racist, and of course they're not a white supremacist. And somehow that leaves this gap. Mm. Oh yeah, and I feel I, like I don't, what I, don't we're know, I, wouldn't, with, I wouldn't know what the difference is. Well, um, so you know that's that's kind of a another subject. Sure, the guy who did it is. A white supremacist. Mm. He is somebody who truly believed in the superiority of the white race and created the test as a way, just sort of an assumption. And that's one of the things that they've attacked the test on is the cultural bias of the test. Is it almost like a poll tax or he thought of it as a poll tax? I mean, I mean, a literacy test. No, no, no. He wasn't trying to keep anybody out. Okay. He was his belief in superiority was so strong that he was just like, if we create this test. We'll make sure that we get the best, and most of the best are, of okay. course, going yeah. to be these people. Yeah. So it wasn't a, it wasn't one of those insidious things where he was going, sure. how can I shut black people out or people mm-hmm. undesirables out? Yeah. He just assumed that the superiority of the right race was so clear that mm-hmm. making this test for them would mm-hmm. show that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're the natural-born leaders. Mm-hmm. And so all this, te- this test would show the best candidates for that. Yeah. Um, he, before he died, realized – kind of realized what he had done and it like i said it wasn't intentional mm-hmm. so even he started backtracking and then like in the last decade or so they've really in the 70s they started challenging it because of the cultural bias yeah um but in the last decade or so they've just started saying yeah it's just mm-hmm. it's a lot of things mm-hmm. you really are just sort of you really are targeting an elite mm-hmm. if you're using the sat and those people like i did well in the sat people like me you're saying, well, you can join the elite. You can be with us mm-hmm. if you pass this test. And so it's, yeah. it's been discredited. Well, uh, what I'm happens is that the people who can afford it will uh, coach their kids mm-hmm. to do well. So it really does, you right. know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm, I, you know, for my sake, I remember being in all of these gifted and talented classes. Same but here, I was in know. the D.C. public school, and public mm-hmm. school system has sort of a – negativity associated with especially right. colleges They're like well sure you got all a's but that was an inferior school right so but i tested well I always tested well and mm-hmm. i could write essays so but it is one of those things i mean i do wonder does a university have a right to only look for the elite or mm-hmm. do you want diversity i guess it depends on what a university looks for right well i would love universities to not feel like they <clears throat> need to serve everybody i'm so okay with yeah. you like jesuit schools for example yeah I'm so okay with the idea that they kind of go, well, wait a minute. If you don't believe in God, we're not sure we this the school for you. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that there's a reasonableness to that on some level, but on the same by that same token, I want that religious institution to to not benefit from the largesse of government, which all right, yeah, you can't be, yeah, 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 you can't be good government funding if you're going to restrict right. people. So right. you can go ahead and do that mm-hmm. off in your little corner, but recognize that you therefore are pulling yourself. Mm-hmm. You're asking your community to support you on what you want to do. Right. Don't ask us to do it. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, I saw an argument this week about, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically affirmative action sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, is it wrong for um like lebron james you know to create this school oh yeah um that's going to benefit blacks well we no longer this isn't the 70s anymore we're not talking quotas they're saying if you 
show that you financially need, mm-hmm. then we're going to make sure. And you yeah. live within a certain region. But it's not black zone. only, right? I don't think it is. Okay. But they're going to give them free uniforms and, mm-hmm. and you know, f- meals and yeah. stuff I if think they that's fantastic qualify. Thing. Right. But the qualification isn't the color of your skin. The qualification is yeah. taking care of that community because mm-hmm. that was the other thing is it's mm-hmm. geographical. Mm-hmm. If you live within that area, mm-hmm. he's not just throwing the doors open to everybody. So he's making a very specific sort of private school. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But yeah. Don't then turn around and say, well, we should get some of that government money. No, you're doing your little elitist thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there have always been private schools which have private, like private Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. I imagine they want Catholic folks or, you know, right. folks who believe in Christianity and that sort of stuff. And I'm sure there are Jewish private schools and that sort of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I've never had a problem with that as long as you put something, you know, right. label it. I mean, I, I suppose someone who wants to create a white supremacist school could say, hey, look, if, the, if the, there's a Jewish school or there's another school right. that's doing it, what's wrong with us? But, you know, that's, that deals with well, another Well, And subject. so, um, again, to the LeBron James argument, mm-hmm. it's economic. Yeah. So it's, or at least that's an element of it. It's economic. Sure. So when this came up because of that particular school, mm-hmm. isn't that racist? And I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> Let's use no. lose the word racist yeah. because right. it doesn't seem to have a real specific meaning, and mm-hmm. it's based in you know something that's just demonstrably scientifically not true. Right. So let's not get confused about that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about dominant culture and subdominant cultures, mm-hmm. and people who whatever category they're in are not being afforded the same thing that right. all the other citizens because you, are being you can't choose to be poor, or right. you know, you, no one wants to be poor. So. Helping those people out is not giving them an elite status. Mm-hmm. Just the opposite. It's saying, wow, you actually have some minuses. You're kind of in the hole over here. Right. Well, we're just trying to get you out of the hole. Right, exactly. It's a way of lifting you up. So if the white supremacist <clears throat> church wants to go and help the poor white people, I say fine. Go for it. But okay. you can't teach them mm-hmm. white supremacy. We're going to limit yeah. you in that. I, I understand what you're saying, the spirit of it, but, you know, I, I understand. I mean, it's almost like the uh, – the. I promise we will get into theater <laughs> in a minute. Um, but it's like the uh, – what was it? The Salvation Army or the Boy right. Scouts. Actually, the Boy Scouts is a better example. Well, they switched, yeah. Right, exactly, because they wanted to eliminate um, gays. Right. And and also get a public funding. Well, they they – they switched. They loosened that up a little bit, but mm-hmm. they um, just got rid of gender, so they're no longer the Boy Scouts of oh. America. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? That no. just happened I, I like this that. summer. Yeah. So they merged late. the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts together. They didn't merge them. The Girl Scouts yeah. are pissed because <laughs> 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 the Boy Scouts are letting girls in, hmm. and they're just calling it the Scouts. BSA. Yeah. <laughs> like uh oh okay, boy y'all, y'all gonna have to clean that one up but you know I had, steps, I, incremental steps yeah so. I, I had an old girlfriend that says you know what they call it kfc anymore because they don't serve chicken anymore i mean she was a she was a bit of a conspiracy theorist now oh, like, come on sweetheart that you know, it is chicken funny. so let's get into current events of course yeah. today um by the way happy birthday dad dad love you very much and i just want to give a shout out to him it's his birthday but it's also mm-hmm. the death of uh, aretha franklin very, very sad. Yeah. And we were talking about Bird her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we were talking about, you know, um, just um, the, I guess there was, a, there was a time in music history where there was the diva. I don't even know if the diva exists anymore. Well, there are a lot of folks that just take that title and that's yeah. all they do. Yeah. And I was thinking just as far, because you know I'm a history nut, where, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
white men have always had a way of asserting power or validating themselves in the mm -hmm. boardroom, in the, uh, you know, in, in, in politics. Western culture, yes. In culture, yeah. The black man has sort of found a way to validate themselves, like, you know, black exploitation. Right. Um, we talked about sports. Melbourne Van Peoples and, yeah, mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and sports and crime, if you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. The black woman has had a very hard time sort of validating themselves in, in American culture. Right. The diva, you yeah. know, when, when Aretha yeah. Franklin steps on the stage and yeah. sings and has that booming voice, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, there are black girls all over the world, you know, or girls, period, mm -hmm. saying, wow, I can be that. Right. And just the power mm -hmm. and the, 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 the authority that she had. That's the thing that I miss about Aretha Franklin. I think, I think that's true for the black girls. What I loved is reading, and I've been loving reading people's mm -hmm. posts, um, the uh, white guys mm -hmm. posting about how they grew up with it. And I'm thinking, yeah, so did I. You know, I grew up in mm -hmm. that era. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And talking about the appreciation it gave them. And one person po said, I grew up in a racist community. Mm. And when that voice came across the radio... I had to open my mind up to a whole different world because mm -hmm. she gets in there and she does. Her emotional power is so deep yes. that you then have to go, who is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what is she talking about? Yeah. I mean, I can I can talk all and all about soul. Lisa, mm. do, do, do you listen or do you listen to um, – what type of music do you Pop listen music. to? Oh, um, well, I, I listen to all sorts of music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, it's kind of a – Rock, folk, rock, a little bit of jazz, a mm -hmm. little classical, a little, mm -hmm. little, little, yeah, yeah, pop, a little this and that. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, but definitely my uh, my mom, she totally grew. I mean, I remember you know just seeing the the um, the album covers yeah. of Aretha Franklin, and uh, there there's so many women that I've heard mm -hmm. say, "Oh, my mom would listen to that," and you know it's it's part right. of an era, so. That's very sad. So that's current events. Uh, the only other current event that I had was Omarosa. You know who Omarosa Holy. is. Oh, my. So my cousin sent yeah. me a crazy video by this comedian, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Lulu. <laughs> okay. And I put the name out there because I'm actually going to look up some more. Mm -hmm. This was crazy. This was like a good 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, I cannot believe you. You are out of your mind. He bought the book. Oh, and Omarosa's he talked book. to us about the book and mm -hmm. then read the preface mm -hmm. to us and commenting the whole way through. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, it's funny because I was telling my wife about it, and I said, and it's really blue. And she said, do you mean blue like Democrat? Like, I'm not, or you mean blue like Red Fox? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like Red Fox. This oh, is goodness. like the late night show that they make sure that they check everybody's ID. You do not see this if you're not grown yeah. enough because you know, the I language is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't realize, number one, I wish that he didn't buy the book because now you're giving her money. But number two, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize – she comes from a, um, what is this, reality TV background. You, but right. even before that, she yeah. comes from the Clinton White House. Is that sure. right? Yes. Oh, goodness. So she's been around. Yeah. Um, but he read the pre I felt similarly to you until he read the preface, and he kept stopping to break it down. So when she says this, we know this is true. This has already been reported. We already know about this. So this validates what she's saying. When she denies the narrative that they've been putting on her since she came in the White House, every negative thing that they've said about her, she brings the receipts. He kept saying, she got the receipts, girl, got the receipts. Mm. And he was right. So you remember the story about how she got fired, the Christmas party, and supposedly she and Kelly had words, and he yelled, you're fired. And they tried to escort her out, but she tried to run into the residence, blah, 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 all of that. 
Mm. None of that true. Okay. Not really. According to her, none of it true, but according to the Secret Service, mm -hmm. because when that story came out, the next day the Secret Service put out a report and said the Secret Service's role in her mm -hmm. you know, resignation was to turn off her access you know, to, to cut her badge off. Yeah. That was all they did. We did not <coughs> escort her. We had nothing to do with that. Um, it was supposed to happen at a Christmas party, right? Mm -hmm. A Christmas party at the White House. There are photos of that party. Mm -hmm. Not a single photo of the yeah. little chocolate child that the Republicans would be boosting if she'd been there. Sure. None. No video of her. Yeah. And the only people who claim that she were there are the people who are making sure that they're Backing yeah. up the president's story. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be the last time that the White House made a fake story to dirty somebody up. But she went through yeah. a series of things, and she kept reminding you, this happened. Remember this? This is true. This happened. By the time I'm listening to you know half an hour of this going, oh, my God. So I don't like this woman at all, and I totally am on the, on the side of you were just – you're an opportunist, and mm -hmm. you were looking for your chance. Mm -hmm. But you're not a stupid opportunist. Yeah. That's really clear. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to paint you as some sort of emotional idiot. And they're lying, and it's easy to demonstrate their lies. I'm like, oh, now I'm curious about the book. Yeah, it's – you know, I'm, I'm sure the book will be a tell-all. This is a, yet another distraction. You know, we're supposed to be focusing on so mm -hmm. many other things happening in the world. And what – this Trump administration should be doing. Right. Here's yet another thing to distract right. us. If it's yeah. not the Paul Manafort trial, if it's not, you know, the fact there's still children that are not connected to their parents. Right. Puerto Rico, you know, they say the death total is, you know, even greater. A thousand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a thousand. Lisa, yeah. do you have any thoughts about what's what's going on? Um, well, yeah, I do think it's a distraction. I, I, I didn't really know who she was, but I saw her, I think, on Colbert <coughs> or something. She seems like an articulate woman and, mm -hmm. like you say, probably pretty intelligent and probably and an obvious opportunist. Um, right. I mean, if the, the, you know, release a tape where uh, Trump says the N-word, it's going to be like the Hollywood access tape. I mean, it'll right. yeah. shock and outrage some of us and those who matter right now who support him will deny it or, or justify we'll it. Or it or justify or, it. Yeah. And yet another black woman who works for, oh, and this is another thing. This is the... Um, this whole, you know, d does Trump use the N-word? Did he use the N-word? I'm, right. I'm not sure if he even care if he used the N-word in private or not. But, right. you know, you have uh, Katrina Pearson, who is another black woman, although she oh. may not even admit that she's a black woman. Sure. But she's a spokesman for the Trump campaign, and apparently she's oh. on tape with Omarosa saying, oh, yes, he definitely said it. He did say it. Oh, right. Well, and that was the other yeah. example that she gave. Yeah. When she – when it came out that that was in the book, yeah, she denied that the meeting ever took place. She who? The woman you're talking about. Oh, Katrina Pearson, yeah. Denied that the meeting ever took place. Yeah. That was when Amorosa's like an a, a artist. Here's my <laughs> next cut. Bam. And she put that tape up of the conference call of the four of them with this yeah. woman saying, well, exactly what Amorosa yeah. quoted her as saying. So before she put up the proof, yeah. she, it was being denied. Right. And, that's, and so it's funny because you're saying distraction. She's not a distraction. That's why we have Brennan now. That's why Brennan lost his stuff. Because mm -hmm. that came out on July 29th, mm -hmm. and they didn't put it out until now because they needed the distraction now off of this. Omarosa is proving that what she's saying is true. Mm -hmm. And she's saying way worse. She's talking about cocaine. She's talking about all kinds of stuff. Whoa. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, buddy. 
And if she's got more tapes, which you got to assume she is because yeah. she's that kind of crazy. Yeah. It's going to get ugly. So do you think do you think she'll make a difference? I mean, particularly with African-American Trump Mm-mm. supporters? No. Oh, goodness. I mean, no. it's, you know, black Republicans. I don't. Well, I should, you know, I have friends who are black Republicans and I just I don't know. I don't know where they come from or whatever, but I mean, as far as if you if you're saying if she makes a difference as far as impeachment is concerned, that may be possible because mm-hmm. we talked about Nixon. I was like, hey, you know, this isn't going to be like Nixon because there are no tapes. Whoops. Yes, there are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all over the place. Yeah. Right. But as far as the midterm elections, I keep on hearing that the House, we may take the House. I'm a, I'm a lifelong yes. Democrat. Yes. It's diehard looking, Democrat. It's looking. But, you know, folks good. are saying, well, it doesn't matter because even if the House Democrats vote for impeachment, the Senate will never do it. And Mitch McConnell is in control of the Senate. Um, it will make things very messy. And I think it will make things messy. I, I think that it's looking good that Trump will not survive past 2020. I'm still mm-hmm. looking at 2020. Right. So. Life is good. Hey, we have the Vermont, uh, who's it, the Vermont governor or senator? The, um, who's the transgender. The transgender. Yeah, which is, which is fantastic. I mean, that's progress. It's, no, it's, it's an amazing time. I do think um, the thing that I think will come out of what's going on right now, because mm-hmm. he's, you can't be too close to Trump. Mm-hmm. Because if you're too close to Trump and he needs somebody else to fall on their sword. Oh, sure. It's going to be you. So there's a lot of those opportunists who are – because Omarosa was even one who was going – and she says it, says it in the book too, Mm -hmm. that I was starting to figure out my exit strategy if things went a certain way. Well, I mean, that's – now, Trump is very Nixon-like when it comes to that because, you know, when things were really getting – I mean, that's why I strongly believe – people don't know. Spiro Agnew – I'm going to get into this history Mm -hmm. thing again. Spiro Agnew – was the vice president, right. you know, th- here's a trivia right. question. Name the only ticket that both resigned that left office early. Hmm. It's Nixon and Agnew. People Whoa. don't know this. Spiro Agnew uh-huh. was the vice president, but he was a governor of Maryland who right. was caught, you know, taking money, bribes, yeah. that sort of stuff, yeah. which never bothered than anyone. Oh, well, there's Watergate here. Right. You know, throw him, throw him to the wolves. Yep. And, of course, he resigned to avoid jail time. Right. And that's how we got Gerald Ford, right. the only mm-hmm. president who has never been elected president or vice president. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, Trump, just like Nixon, will just throw everyone in the – Mitchell, right. you know, John Dean. Yeah. Everybody goes in the – I'm sure, Lisa, you you lived you, – I mean, sure, you lived yeah, through the Nixon administration, so <laughs> maybe there's a bit of deja vu. Oh, uh, indeed. <laughs> so, one hopes. One hopes. Yeah. So, okay, so that's enough of that. Let's get into an origin story. We have Lisa Kang who uh, I know through the uh, Playwright Center for San Francisco. You wrote a wonderful play. Um, it's called House of Days. Right. Fantastic one-act play. Um, and I describe it as surreal. Is it surreal? Um, and, and we'll get into an order story, like how you got into theater, mm-hmm. but am I d- describing it correctly? Um, yeah, it's surreal in that it is a dreamlike landscape. Mm-hmm. You've called mm-hmm. me a surrealist playwright in your, yeah. your Facebook post. I've never called that, that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe um, you've written plays which are not surreal at all, but I think it's important to sort of uh, – because we see all sorts of plays. I'm sure you have, Norman, too, mm-hmm. where plays are written in a very standard, either dramatic or comedic um. or – very, very basic, and you don't get a lot of sort of um, what I'm going to call, you know, surrealistic. Like it reminds me of Ubu Roy. We've talked about mm-hmm. Rhinoceros. I, I would say contemporary, the te- contemporary landscape includes that a lot more than, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. 
I think so. Um, yeah, the, the couple of full lengths that I've been working on are have more of like a sweep, like Tom Stoppard, you mm, know, cultural, mm -hmm. historical sweep. But um, actually, the people, these disparate um, peoples connect in a surreal way mm -hmm. <laughs> through dreams or in the um, play that I just finished writing, Communication, this woman uh, drinks a lot because she's doing business with Japanese businessmen, and that's mm -hmm. how you... Um, you communicate. You, mm -hmm. you communicate through drinking after work, and and in her drinking, because she drinks so much, she she starts um, like seeing her mother, her mother's oh. ghost, mm -hmm. and she ha doesn't have um, uh, she hasn't resolved things with her mother, and so mm. and her mother's ghost kind of shows her these other stories and mm -hmm. other things that she maybe should do as an Asian woman, or you know that she doesn't want to do. So she resolves a lot of her conflict. Mm -hmm. Her dream, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wow, that say. is fantastic! And the ghost could also represent her own subconscious, right? Yeah. Right. Wow, that that is fantastic. That's always fun on stage. Yeah, yeah. but let's. Um, so uh, we were talking off mic. Uh, you're born and raised in San Francisco. Uh, yes. I wow. Was. Yeah, a native. I know a native. That's what I. That's what I <laughs> said. We should count them because we. What have we had? Maybe three. <laughs> Out out of maybe seventy, I think yeah. we've done seventy. We've had yeah. seventy people here. Are you seventy people? Yeah, yeah you are. Uh, this is podcast number seventy six. Okay, mm -hmm. we did six alone. We've had a couple of repeats, mm -hmm. but I think we are. I think you're about the seventieth person that we've had. Mm -hmm. Who were the other two natives? Do you remember? Um, I can't remember. Was um, David Stein native, or okay. was he on the peninsula? You know, I think he is around uh, within the uh, Bay Area. It's always something that I mm -hmm. fixate on when I meet somebody because mm -hmm. I'm not native to the Bay. And mm -hmm. I had mixed feelings about living in San Francisco. I love living in Oakland. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I noticed about San Francisco is most people are transient. So when you meet a native, mm -hmm. it's like that curious <laughs> creature. Right, exactly. I think Mor <laughs> Remember Morgan Pavey, the, uh, the young yeah. blonde uh, actress? Mm -hmm. Works for Bats, I think. Uh -huh. I think she's a native. But very, very few and far in between. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so, so go ahead. Uh, so you, um, were you involved in theater when you were young? Um, a little bit, but you know, school plays, like elementary school plays. I was really, mm. really, really shy. And actually I wanted to be a writer from quite young, oh, nine, wow. nine years mm -hmm. old, but oh, wow. somehow, um, after college, maybe because I was so shy and I wanted some recognition, I decided I'd become an actor and, mm. Mm. I was seeing a counselor at Cal. Like we had free counseling, and mm -hmm. um, and he laughed. <laughs> and people laughed, or my parents were extremely opposed to it. And mm. um, so they were not laughing. No, not <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, and so it was just a strange uh, decision out of the blue, and I kept with it maybe to prove myself, to prove to my parents to mm. you know overcome certain things. Mm. And after around twenty or so years of acting, I decided. That's not really who I am, and I, I love the storytelling mm -hmm. aspect more than the being on the stage and being alive on stage, mm -hmm. you know, which is what I think a true actor, you know, would um, enjoy. And mm -hmm. so I, I, um, I talked to a psychic <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. about my cat or my dad or something, and she said, wait, 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 you know what, you really, you really should be a writer. And since I didn't know what to do, I thought, okay. Oh. Nice. Do you have any siblings? Um, I have an older brother, yes. Okay. Is he involved in the arts at all? 
Um, he studied fine arts, and um, he became. He, then he studied architecture, and then he was a born again Christian, so he became uh, a preacher. Wow! Yeah. And he's is he here in the uh, the Bay Area? Yeah, he's down in the South Bay. Okay. Oh. Wow. Now, getting back into writing, did you uh, attend? Did you go back to school when you decided to be a writer? Well, that was you know I was um, turning fifty or so, so. Um, <laughs> No, I decided that was not an okay. option. I just wanted to go for it. And it, and it yeah. sounds like, you know, you, there are lots of skills that, you know, that you have. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, like I told you, I went to the uh, Berkeley Rep, and there are, I guess, structures or way. When you write a play, do you have a particular structure or way or a method that you that you write? Like an outline, or, or do you develop your characters first? Um, well, you know, I am still learning, and, and it's all a process, but... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually, it's really about pulling things out of my unconscious, unconscious, you know. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the writing is kind of like dreaming. You just put it all out there, and then looking at it is like um, analyzing the dream. And then I impose, then I think what, you know, what in my life or what I've read or I've heard or I've seen or is inside me is going to go into this, and how can it become a, a story? Interesting. It's, it's when I so I should I should explain what House of Days is at least the plot of it uh, mm-hmm. because I talk about how great it is and Norman's like you know, what is sweet. it about? <laughs> but um, so well maybe you know I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you explain it. Oh okay. Um, well, it's about a family um, who work on a farm and they um, raise grapes and um, it's uh, about um, how. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. Yeah. The, I mean, um, I, can, I can attempt to. I mean, as an actor who had to, you know, to act because... But I, you were in it. Yeah, I was in yes, it. I was in was it. Dead. And oh. I, you know, we tried valiantly to get it into the uh, the finalists or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> it didn't did quite work job. out. But, but, I mean, there were there were some wonderful uh, plays. But mm-hmm. yeah. I was intrigued by this one. So, basically, yeah, there are these farmers. And we're planting grapes. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very conservative. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. when I looked at the character, I'm trying to think of what the person's name was. Um, uh, you, the, you, yeah. You? Uh, uh, J- JC? Yeah, that's right. JC. I was uh, uh-huh. JC, and I think there was a JC Junior, little JC. <laughs> but in any case, I pictured him. I don't know if you ever saw Oliver Stone's uh, Nixon, Mm-mm. where um, – there's a scene where Oliver Stone has Nixon's family in the 1930s, the Dust Bowl 30s, mm-hmm. and his father is very, very strict. As a matter of fact, the whole family's strict. They are almost puritanical. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mother speaks in um, old English. Oh wow! Thou this and that. I yeah. think this is based on reality. And so when I think right, of JC. Not Mormons. Um, Quakers. 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 Yeah. That's exactly right. right. That's, yeah, th- yeah, yeah, that is that language, yes. But in any case, I thought of the family as being almost Quaker-like, although they weren't speaking in Iming Pentamit or anything like that, mm-hmm. but very, very ultra, ultra-conservative, at least mm-hmm. J.C. is. But all of a sudden, there's on the table a wig, mm-hmm. and the, I think it's the wife. My wife puts on the wig, uh-huh. and she starts you know, acting wild, or she acting as free as she wants to be. Huh. And I'm restrictive. I'm like, no, take that wig off. Don't, don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And they talk about eating the wig, although it's not imbibed or eaten. It's uh. put on. Uh-huh. Served. Served. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And serve can, you know, mean a bunch of things. Uh-huh. And everyone, everyone in the family, there's, uh, I have a daughter, I have a son, yeah. wife, and myself. Uh-huh. We each put on the wig. Oh. And we have our different experiences sure. as to what it is. And what does the wig represent? 
What do the grapes represent? Mm-hmm. What does the family, what does farming represent? Mm-hmm. I guess it's all up to interpretation. Hey. So I, I found it really, really fascinating, and it was well done. I don't know if everyone got it, and sometimes you're not supposed to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to just, you know, just use your imagination and make it, you know, mm-hmm. come up with your own conclusions. Did I describe it okay? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, go ahead. No, I, I sent Radhika, your um, director, a couple of poems. I don't know if she's Oh, Radhika. Yeah. Radhika, yeah. excuse me, yeah. Radhika. Yeah. I haven't met her. And, um, uh, me neither, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, okay. I'm going to bring her back on. She was here. Oh. This is when you were away. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. in any case, yes. Um, one was uh, a Wordsworth poem, Nuns Fret Not at Their Convent's Narrow Room. And it's a sonnet, and it really it ends. It's about how the prisons in which we imprison ourselves are really not prisons you know mm-hmm. just like a sonnet's form is not a prison and oh. I remember hearing it in high school and it brought tears to my eyes because oh. I, I guess I felt a little imprisoned within myself sure. and um, you know as a kid you don't really choose <laughs> your circumstances but I guess right. I realized at that point um, that I did and then there was another poem a Billy Collins poem called The Night House um, about how in the nighttime our body sleeps but our heart gets up and makes a little pan of milk and the, our intellect goes and takes a book from the library on engineering and reads it and the conscience darts from room to room avoiding mirrors and you huh. know and then the soul gets up on the roof and, and waves wildly at the sea wow. and that's wow. the mother and the um, mm-hmm. and the play that's right mother and the play that's you right you must she have does. had an incredible English teacher your poetry stuff in high school sounds great oh. <laughs> or did you learn it from English I mean you may have learned it out, after, out of school um, po- poetry? poetry? Poetry, yeah. Yeah, sure. I learned in school. And I yeah, yeah, because, yeah. well, when you say Billy Collins, it's like, yeah, yeah you would have to be a reader. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or somebody would have had to introduce you to it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that is fantastic. I mean, when I thought about it, I, you know, I remember being young and, and looking at, like, Picasso mm-hmm. and looking at, or even more so, Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. I think, is that the Dadaist movement? I'm well, he's remember. surrealism. Surreal. Yeah, surrealism. He's his own. He's yeah. He's inspired by the Dadaist, but he is not quite a Dadaist. Right. And I guess there's a technique in just paying attention to your dreams mm-hmm. and not trying to make sense of it and just sort of draw or write mm-hmm. exactly just what your thoughts are. I think of Rod McEwen, Listen to the Warm, hmm. or um, uh, some of the beat writers, mm-hmm. which would, you know, sort of sort of unlearn go for an energy yeah you know. what that what they have you know been taught or what society right. says is correct and just sort of you know act purely out of emotion mm-hmm. is that sort of the direction that you were going for with house of days um i just kind of wrote it <laughs> yeah no I, I totally hear you yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and again there's a lot of symbolism and those kind of i just pulled it pulled those pulled it out of my ass i guess mm-hmm. and um and uh, I was actually, I wrote it and then I was in Taipei and I was on the subway and it all kind of came together for me what I Interesting. wanted. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, now you, as an actress, um, what theater groups did you, did you work with? Um, Where'd you start? Yeah. Where'd I start? Oh, mm-hmm. there, yeah. And um, I, the first thing I did was something with the Asian American Theater Company, a bunch oh, of readings. Mm-hmm. And um, uh-huh. I worked some with them and mm-hmm. oh, I imagine you must have been acting in the 80s or in, or 90s or... In the 90s, mostly, yeah. Okay. In so 80s. the space on Arguello? Um, gosh, yeah. That's, um, I, that's the... Yeah. My professional career started with them. 
and so. Okay, I know your name, and uh, because people refer to you, and you also used to run the Oakland. Oakland Public, Public Theater. Uh, yeah. Oakland yeah. Public Theater. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm hoping we can revive soon. We'll see. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. It could happen. But um, yeah, no, I remember that space because I remember, in fact, watching as we got three floors of performance space, which very quickly got shut down, and they were constantly yeah. fighting with the landlord. And yeah. You know, I was very involved with the organization at that point, and okay. then, and then things changed. <laughs> yeah, I th- this was kind of like the golden one of the golden eras of the theater, I think. And then mm-hmm. they lost that space. And then because yeah, when you said revived. readings, I remember one of the first readings I remember of that period was, um, and it wasn't a reading to do a production; it was just yeah. to add some more energy into the space. Yeah. Um, they did a Chekhov uh, short. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was I did something you know Sherilyn Lee of course yeah um, one of her plays that was the first thing oh. I did mm-hmm. nice yeah wow um, what what other companies and also we'll ask you know like what what was uh, Bay Area Theater like in the nineties for you when you were stepping in yeah because we like to do a comparison between then and now oh, okay uh, I'm not uh, you know I, I kind of live inside my head <laughs> as you mm-hmm. can uh, see from my writing so what were things like out there. Um, I worked with Word for Word more recently, and oh, yeah. um, Napa Valley Shakespeare, uh, Rebecca Enolds, who works mm-hmm. with San Francisco Shakes, she yeah. directed uh, me in a couple a play or two, and um, you know, independent stuff at the Exit and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do the Fringe? Um, yes, I did. Okay. Cool. Um, do do you feel, what do you think the comparisons are? I mean, we ask a lot of folks who are here, are you getting enough out of Bay Area theater? There are people who are not satisfied. They're like, oh, I just got to get out of here. I got to go to L.A. or whatever. There are people who are very satisfied. They're like, wow, you know, I'm getting a lot of exposure. Um, are you, is the Bay Area serving you? Is the Bay Area theater serving you well? Oh, hmm. Well, as an actor, it was frustrating because I felt, you know, as an Asian uh, mm-hmm. American actress, there wasn't enough. Mm. And if, you know, the bigger houses wanted to hire somebody, often they'd go out of town, right? Los Angeles right. and New mm. York. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm start trying to get started as a writer. And um, th- there aren't a lot of people who are doing specifically Asian theater. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean... It, it, it does feel like it, it is is kind of a small community, a very friendly one, mm-hmm. um, um, but but a small one. And it does feel like um, if I can't make it here, <laughs> mm. you know, I should go to New York or something. But that's it's super subjective. I mean, I think I just need to go out and find people. There are lots of small theaters, and there's lots going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you started to touch on the you know because that's. As somebody, I came out of college with a show, and it ended up uh, dancing the railroad, and it ended up at the Asian American Theater, oh, yeah. and um, I started to become aware of the way, the way America. Well, number one, Asian is you know is sort of a ridiculous term. It's like what what are you talking about? This is a significant part of the globe, and you're going to throw them into one category, mm-hmm. you know. It's like people ask about African-American, and I'm like, well, you know what? America just sucks, and it doesn't have a better term, so so be it. But is that an accurate term or a useful term? No, not at all. But um, what I noticed at the Asian-American theater was at the theater, they were doing all kinds of interesting stuff, which you know, larger audiences may or may not have been interested in. Outside of that, the people that I got to know – at least half the roles that you get called for were these weird little ethnic roles. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you're American. 
why don't you want to give me a character where I get to be just an American? Why do I have to be somebody who maybe whose English isn't that good or I right. fit into some stereotype? Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, very much seeing that sort of thing happen. As I watched management of the Asian American theater, yeah. I felt like there were things that they needed to do or didn't need to do. But I also felt like there just wasn't an audience quite ready to take that in. You know, a guy, um, Kelvin, Han, Kelvin Han Yee, right before he left, did a show, not right before he left, a few years before he left, did a show where he was a guy working on a Volkswagen. And uh-huh. that was at, that was one of the last shows at the Asian American Theater. Oh, yeah, it was some Korean thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I mean, it was, was, it wasn't the perfect play, but yeah. it was a great play, and it was wonderful because as an American, I'm going, oh, I don't think about these people. I sort of put them in one lump. And as soon as you say Korean, we're talking about a specific place, a specific culture, and then that character's relationship to it. Uh-huh. That is an intrigue. That's as an intriguing as any Sherlock Holmes mystery. It's like, well, wait a minute. What is this about? What am I supposed to get from this? Uh-huh. And it was, you know, I was like, wow, why aren't more, why aren't they finding a way to market this? Because I thought the shows were wonderful. Oh, yeah, they were. <laughs> but, um, but I felt like audiences just weren't quite getting it. And then you you know, going out to casting stuff, yeah. run into the people I know, and it's like, what role are they calling you in for? Uh, oh, okay, well, that's yeah. lame. Asian, Asian woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Older Asian woman, younger yeah. Asian mm-hmm. woman, sexy Asian woman, you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. illiterate Asian woman. It's like, yeah, okay, subservient Asian woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, default is still um, white <laughs> mm-hmm. in a lot of the shows that we see still, so it's... Why can't they default on? Right. I mean, there's a big push now for diversity and you know. They just changed a rule mm-hmm. um, to deal with this casting thing, and it's, it's in Hollywood. Apparently, mm. there's been this big. Oh, uh, the uh, the Oscars, the Academy, uh. has come up with a new rule supposedly yeah. to deal with that to try and address this issue of okay. casting of of whitewashing. Okay. And like, yay! How many things do we have to scream about before you guys? finally got it and the thing to me that is again intriguing about that like we see it recently in in sorry to bother you the Mm -hmm. so this main character his girlfriend speaking of surrealism and then this hot asian guy yeah Mm -hmm. and that's really if you were going to say what is that role oh that's the hot other guy that's who that's what that character is to cast him as an asian american was so cool yeah that's cool yeah Mm -hmm. it was great and it was like and you have to kind of go, well, wait a minute, how does that work? And, of course, you know how, do you live in this world. You know how that works, but you never see it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. Well, you have, you have to, if you haven't seen it, you have to go see it. But, yeah, you're right, because he's the one pushing. I think he's – I'm trying to remember because – Well, he's pushing the, the – He's pushing her to do her own thing. Right. But he's also recognizing. That's right. He was the other guy. He's the other he's guy. Try, yeah, he's, he's trying to jack his He's trying to jack his woman. Yeah. Is not seeing that she's mm-hmm. not feeling appreciated. Right. And he sees an opportunity that he steps in on. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> there were so many things in that character. That's right. And it is unusual for an Asian person to, to play that. But, you know, obviously the director was like, hey, let's just go for it. Well, the, yeah. the default is like a young Brad Pitt. Yeah. Let's get a Brad Pitt yeah. guy who's sexy and charming, uh, but just yeah. a little bit. And something sneaky. we've seen in Hollywood over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 It's particularly good for Asian men because they tend to be seen, as, you know, as nerdy or right. 
asexual or mm-hmm. and so and but they are they're quite sexy <laughs> <laughs> and i think they're being seen as more sexy too yeah no no that's stars. that's that's an excellent point yeah but what i feel like is important in that is you get out of the rut of like um santo y santo the pick description did um octavio octavio solis's um santo y santo and in it is a racist judge they decided to cast a black man Ooh. and everybody went what but as soon as you said what as soon as you even let the thought bloom in your head Mm -hmm. clarence thomas popped into your head and you're like okay never mind yes got it yep (laughs) didn't need to explain it Mm -hmm. but it took every Mm -hmm. time you saw that character or he was referenced yeah you found yourself dwelling in a whole different set of feelings that's exactly right than you would if he'd just been an old white guy the minute you mentioned that i remember um boys in the hood one of the most famous scenes Mm -hmm. is when he gets jumped by a black cop the protagonist, mm-hmm. who's Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr., black guy, right. gets gets roughed up by a black cop. Of mm-hmm. course, we expect a typical white mm-hmm. cop. And, of course, it just opens up these other you know thoughts in your head. Right. All of a sudden, things just populate in your head, and which is a wonderful thing if you're a writer. So I'm just hoping that mm-hmm. rather than thinking like there's this political need to give Asian actors more roles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which just sounds so mechanical Mm -hmm. no how can you make the story more interesting how can you make me as an audience member sit up and go oh okay wow yeah of course you know that i have Mm -hmm. to now absorb that and i'm also thinking about there's a thing i don't know if it's a tv show or if it's a movie crazy rich asians have you just came out yesterday i'm a little you saw it Oh, I'm going to see it this weekend, oh. okay. but I hear it's good. You know, yeah. And I just hope it isn't moving. stereotypical. Um, I think with a title like that, it, you may not. <laughs> yeah. Be, I, don't know. I mean, well, who, who <laughs> knows? I mean, you know, uh, exposure's good. I just hope that it's. I mean, if it if it, if it blitz Asian actors in the Asian community, that's fine. But well, I just hope it doesn't. I felt the same way about. Mm-hmm. I feel about it the way I feel about movies like Sorry to Bother You and such. Which, and by mm-hmm. that, what I mean is. Years ago, decades ago, movies like that were coming out. Brother from Another Planet Yep, was that kind of movie. And America just wasn't ready for that. If you went to art houses, you went and you enjoyed it and you thought, wow, how deep, how wonderful. Mm-hmm. But the rest of America was just like, what? Wait a minute. But but it's an alien, right? But how can you be a black guy <laughs> with right. red? Uh. Yeah. And it's the same thing I'm talking about. <laughs> a white guy that speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um is Crazy Rich Asians, are we going to support it? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what I felt bad about with this is like with the other movies before it came out, I was pumping it. Whether or not I was going to open mm-hmm. weekend, I was pumping it. Yeah. And with this one, I've been reading about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I barely pu- I put out one or two articles about it. I haven't pumped it. Yeah. And I feel like I should because I want to see more sure. of this. I mean, I'll, I'll want an Asian American to see Sorry to Bother You or um, or – Blind spotting, which is my favorite. Uh, so, yeah. sure, I, I, oh, I agree with you. you. You haven't seen Black Klansman yet, though. I, I will this this weekend because <laughs> I'm hearing all sorts of good things. But I would I would support you know an Asian film. I, I would yeah. go see. I definitely see that. Well, um, yeah, I mean, um, they're saying it's our Black Panther. Okay. Good. Um, there yeah, you go. I mean, you guys get have superpowers and we get a, another stereotype. But um, <laughs> a rom-com. Okay. But um, it's very poppy, it seems, very, you know, at uh-huh. the moment. And so that's good yeah. that it feels accepted into the mainstream. And, and um, yeah. I'm going to go and see it just to yeah, give it money. Yeah. It, it's, it's, right. it's a good thing. That's, that's where I'm at with a lot of things. Like, I wasn't sure. Sorry to bother you. I'm happy about in the same way I'm happy about 
Black Panther. Mm. I'm happy for the cultural acceptance. I'm a comic book nut, so everybody came at me going, Black Panther, and I'm like, um, I think comic book movies suck for the most part. Uh, I think they're bad adaptations for the most part. And this is some of the weakest material in comics, so I do not have high expectations. On the other hand, black character coming from a black country, a African country, a technologically advanced country, mm. sophisticated country. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want America to see this. Yeah. But when people try to talk about it and they just go, well, but, you know, ultimately I just don't care about him very much. I'm like, you couldn't possibly. He's a weak-ass character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's just unique because there was nothing else like him. So yeah. in that way, I'm like, yeah, get this movie out here. Get people interested in it. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of these talents mm-hmm. will go see in something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I jump on the YouTube videos, and there are these two white guys who are who do these critiques. Okay. And they were like, oh, my God, Black Panther is such an awful movie, and why are people talking about it? And I was like, yes, it's not that great of a – I mean, it is a, it's, it's an okay movie. It's even mm-hmm. an okay – action flick but the point of it is right. it's diversity right some young kid is going to see it and be em- empowered by yeah. it mm-hmm. just like some young kid will walk in to see crazy you know uh, rich rich asians yeah. mm-hmm. and Hopefully. be empowered by it yeah. and you know if that's what the the job to be done is that's fine yeah, yeah. well it also makes for new movies because mm-hmm. i yeah. hate the remake yes. don't make another three musketeers i think somebody should be shot when they do that king kong don't do it again leave yeah. it alone yeah why are you that lazy mm-hmm. <laughs> that you go, wow, we couldn't possibly come up with anything better than a giant ape climbing up, a, going after a white woman and climbing up a building? Yeah. That's that's all you got. Getting back to uh, Lisa Kang. Um, so what do, you, what do you envision, I mean, um, I guess for the future, do you want to um, – do you want to have your full link play out at the Orpheum Theater, or you know, uh, do you want to be, be published? Um, what what do you see in the future for yourself? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, right now I'm just working on getting a stage reading of one of my full lengths, a communication that I mm. just um, uh, finished, and of course, <laughs> I would love to see it produced like anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, tell tell us about it. This, oh. this is a good forum for it for it's talking about it. Okay, um, well. Well, communication is the practice of drinking um, after work with your colleagues, and that's the way Japanese. Ah, uh, right, right. Is. You're talking about the woman who is drinking, and she yes. sees her mother, and yes. Right, and um, so she's a hapa, half Japanese, half white, yes. and she's trying to broker a deal um, in uh, with Japan and India and the United States with mm. American funding. It's kind of an environmentalist film, and I'm uh, a film a play. I'm right. an environmentalist, so she. Um, wants the Japanese to send their nuclear waste, their radioactive waste, to India to be cleansed. And it's a little science fiction in that they have Mm. this technology that I've read about, but I didn't really use, where they use diamonds to um, kind of deactivate the radioactivity Mm -hmm. and um, turn them into batteries for drones and such. And so she wants to do that. Um, but she's having a hard time being taken seriously as sure. a woman, particularly with the Japanese men. And she's drinking and drinking to be one of the guys. And there's a parallel story that takes place in 1919 in India, in Amritsar, wow. um, which is uh, when um, General the English, uh, an English general, um, opened fire. On, it was like there was a lot of unrest in, mm-hmm. among the Indians mm-hmm. at that time um, because of the 
way the British were treating them. And so there were riots in uh, northern India, and mm. um, he decided to go to this peaceful assemblage mm -hmm. and uh, um, speakers, like political speakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he brought all his men, and they opened fire on this assemblage wow. and, and killed about 2,000 innocent people, mm -hmm. uh, women and children and men. And, and so it, that story uh, takes place then, and it's about an Indian man um, who wants to uh, bring ascendancy to his people sure. by um, uh, uh, with business, just mm -hmm, the way mm -hmm. this woman. Ah, you know, okay. So he wants to open a brewery and kind of um, beat the English at their own game. Sure. So it's <laughs> it's got this environmental theme, and it's about um, helping your people with uh, by improving things financially, mm -hmm. you know, in the economy, um, economically. And about reaching into yourself and um, and finding things in your past, like your relationship with your mother, to mm -hmm. heal. And so to look to the past and the present and mm -hmm. to become something more as a woman, I guess. Yeah, it sounds very psychological where there's yeah. a plot. There's a, I guess, a, a plot faceplate plot. But let's say as she's talking... She's also exposing herself, or she's learning things about herself. I guess you know. There's, um, she's discovering, you know, what she is or what she isn't, or how she's perceived to, to be. Mm -hmm. It's like an internal struggle as well as the external struggle of getting these guys to understand or just, mm -hmm. you know, get the deal signed. Mm -hmm. So, it's fascinating. I'm it's intrigued. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely interested. And you've everything written out. I, I guess you're you're shopping it. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am. Um, and I'm also, um, I want to start writing a grant, maybe a cash grant, because I want to do some uh, environmental justice mm -hmm. theater. Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's it's needed. I mean, I want to do something, I, I want to do something to help. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think, I really do think uh, global warming is the the biggest issue that we need to resolve right now, right. and and I'm not a scientist or um, politician, but um, so I, I'd like to gather a few um, playwrights in this area and address some issues that um, affect environmental issues that affect the community. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, uh, <laughs> I want people to understand, you know, viscerally that they that they they need – this is an important issue to their lives. I don't right. think we get it because, we're, you know, I'm thinking of calling the project the right disaster. It's like mm. we're just waiting for wow. the right disaster yeah. to open yeah. our eyes. And mm -hmm. so I, I don't want that to happen. I yeah, no, I think it's a very good cause. I mean, you know, seeing um, the Incon Inconvenient Truth mm -hmm. and the sequel, yeah. Yeah. something that Al Gore is something very – that he's very, very serious about. Right. And also just, uh, I mean, I think the barrier does very good, like, you know, like not having bags, the straw situation. Which is, yeah. Yeah, which is fantastic. Shifted, yeah. So little things mean a lot. And, you know, having playwrights, I mean, this is something that I talked with Charlie Lurigo, Lurigo about, having more political theater or theater that is is activism. Mm -hmm. Activism as, as, you know, playwrights being more active as an activist. Mm -hmm. And so we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping, um, like, to 
to address different issues in different communities because you know it's it's the people who are like um, I was just reading in like in North Rich Richmond mm -hmm. they've got an oil refinery and the people who live near the oil refinery and and, and really suffering because of the quality of the air uh, are are lower income people and ninety seven mm -hmm. percent of them are are black or Asian or Hispanic and um, uh, the people who suffer the most are the people who have less. You know, sure. The least, um, agency well, I mean, I anything. think about Flint and mm -hmm. and, the, and the water there. Right. Yeah, Supposedly, they finally made a deal to to mm -hmm. fix it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, by 2020. <laughs> and Norman is out rolling his eyes, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, it's just insane. Yeah. We're talking about space force, and um, you can't fix this, or the the dead in Puerto Rico. Yeah, you can't exactly. can't even acknowledge them. Right, don't do anything about it. Yeah, like, the, okay, the children at the border. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's, you know, name your atrocity, you know, yeah. just keeps going on. But, you know, like the global warming, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's just getting worse and worse. You hear about polar bears eating mm -hmm. them themselves, I mean, right. eating other polar bears right. because they don't have uh, the food and glaciers or migrating. are shrinking. They're well, migrating, yeah. 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 Which is weird. But as a playwright, you know, when you try to, how do you bring these things to the stage? That's That's always the challenge. Like, how do I get the money? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, you know, just one, to wrap your brain around it. Um, um, I talk a lot with uh, Robert Estes, uh, Anton's Well. Okay. And uh, they just did, uh, they just closed uh, 448 Psychosis, which is, uh, I think her name is Sarah Kane. Right. Yeah. Um, and people who are familiar with her seem either, you know, really intrigued or, or fascinated I haven't met anybody yet who's gone, wow, I'm just really turned off. I did talk to somebody who said they were scared of seeing her work because it's okay. violent. Oh, yeah. It can be very violent. Hmm. Um, she wrote a piece, you know, this piece, uh, 448 Psychosis, is basically about suicide, the contemplation of suicide. Mm -hmm. The justification of, or the rationale, I would say, is a better word than justification. She is really clear about where she's at, mm -hmm. the pain that she's in, mm -hmm. the struggle that she's having. And the ineffectiveness of any treatment that is being offered her. Um, those things she is very clear about. You know, she's not therefore going, and therefore I want to kill myself. She's saying, therefore I feel like I want to kill myself, but I recognize that's a feeling. Fascinating piece. And it reminds me more than anything of a Night Mother by Marsha Norman mm -hmm. back in the 80s, mm -hmm. who the critics beat up for exactly that same thing. Yeah. You're making an argument for suicide. This yeah. is an issue play, and we've, in these last few de decades, been living in this every time a playwright wants to touch on something. You know, um, Mamet does Oleana, and they complain about You're taking the issues of the day, and you're putting them on stage, and it's just sensational theater. And I was like, well, what theater isn't sensational theater? Yeah. Uh -huh. It just seems like a ridiculous mm -hmm. charge if you want to deal with current events. How can you make it theatrical? I mean, that to me is the, the question, not, you know, is it taking, advan taking advantage? Mm -hmm. what's, what's not taking advantage? Yeah. <laughs> now, now that's, that it brings, it brings up an interesting question, and we're heading into the hour marks. We'll mm -hmm. get into shout-outs. But as a writer, and it's something that I, I'm, a, I'm a budding writer my own self, wondering about should I worry about the audience? Should I worry about either pissing off the audience or pleasing the audience. Something that I've asked Scott Munson. Scott Munson's another playwright that we've had right, on here. Yeah. Do you think about that at all, Lisa? Do you say, I'm going to write it. I don't give a damn who gets it or who doesn't get it. I'm just going to put it out there. Or do you think about it? 
about the audience yes. response? Are yeah. we talking about environmental justice or just anything? Well, really just anything. Um, well, um, that's really a good question because, you know, they drew my name for the playoffs and I thought, what, what can I send in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> something that's maybe a little more accessible or something that's more, you mm -hmm. know, that's a little riskier and I, I sent that and, mm -hmm. you know, um, and th th some people uh, appreciated it and, and, and others didn't and it didn't get voted in. And oh well, but I've had that response before and it's nice to have some people's appreciation, particularly other theater artists. Mm -hmm. But if, if people aren't getting it, you know, then what, what's the point? You know, shouldn't I write something more accessible or a little? Well, sure. But I mean, you don't want to compromise yourself or compromise, you know, like there are times yeah. where it's like, listen, I can put, you know, as, as my dad would say, I can put a little, you know, what is it, gin and Coke? I, I used to mm -hmm. have a girlfriend that would drink gin and Coke. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, I can, you want, do you want some ice in there or you want some gin, you know, some Coke in it or whatever? Or do you want to take it straight? Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't take it straight, then I'll just put a little something in it. Sometimes you don't want to. It's like, listen, this Keep is what I wrote. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. Yeah. Or you can, or you may say, well, I got to think about the business aspect of it. Maybe I shouldn't. But when you, when you write, do you think about that or do you, do you just, you know, put whatever you have on in your mind? On paper. Um, well, when I start the process, I, I, gosh, I guess the more and more that I go on and the more I, I think I want to make a career, then I, mm -hmm. I do think more about um, what people might want to see, what people might want to produce, and I, mean, I admit it, and um, also uh, structure. It's, I didn't care so much about having the you know, I don't call it Aristotelian structure, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, some, uh, build up conflict and reveal. Da -da. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it something that you struggle with? I mean, uh, do you, I'm sure, you know, when you give, like, I had to go through something like this where I submitted something and they were like, whoa, there's a lot of profanity in here. And I'm like, well, these are black men who are, you know, free and, and what have you. It's like, well, you know, we're, we're, I don't know if the audience will. And I'm like, okay, well, so sometimes you have to make sacrifices or sometimes you don't. You're just like, listen, if you don't like it, then whatever. Yeah. But, but is this something that you struggle with or, or not really? Yeah, it's something I struggle with. Sure, I okay. mean, there's something, there's things I just want to write, and and mm -hmm. but uh, it's it's such a collaborative. Uh, it's not yeah. like I just paint a painting and stick it on a wall. I mean, mm -hmm. somebody's got to want to, just want it. And yeah. So, uh, but I mean, if they're black men swearing and and people object to that, I mean, it's easy for me to say. I would say, gosh, go find somebody else who who appreciates that truth. Mm -hmm. You know. Nah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, um, shout outs. I got nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I am oh, doing birthdays? a reading, yeah. um, and it comes up Monday, 7.30 at Counterpulse, um, and it's a new play called Adelia, or the Nose Play. <laughs> N-O-S-E? N-O-S-E. Not no, not no, yeah. okay, yeah. Nose Play. The Nose mm -hmm. Play. Yeah, the Nose Play. Um, <laughs> young writer, and it was weird, I went to see... Uh, so I'll put that one out as well. Word for Word is doing their anniversary show right now, and it's mm -hmm. two short stories, Tobias Wolf and uh, George Saunders. The George Saunders I was familiar with. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's the first story in his uh, collection of short stories, one of his collections of short stories. And uh, it's creepy. Once you start to navigate the story mm -hmm. and you start to realize what's going on, it's very creepy. You forget that it starts off in this almost uh, fanciful sort of way, and they just brought that so wonderfully. Because I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to go see this creepy story. And instead, I got to see this wonderful story that just edged 
mm-hmm. creepiness in the same way that the story does. Mm. Um, but that there's just a wonderful, bizarre sense to it. Anyway, it was a wonderful evening. Mm. Uh, that's up, I think, again this weekend. Um, and then there's a Gandhi show. Get Gandhi, something like that. Um, that's at <laughs> Z below. Okay. What's and it as I, hmm? What's it about? Um, it's, um, I don't know, except that oh. Gandhi. Okay. Um, but it's, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Eh, oh, that's horrible. Um, uh, anyway, I went mm-hmm. there thinking that's where the show I was. It was upstairs and it, I went to the downstairs, got in line. And this young guy walks up to me and he's like, hi, you're Norman G, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're acting in my reading next week. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, I've been there before. And Gajor. <laughs> And Gal Jor, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. wonderful writer, solo artist, and then started writing full plays. And so this is one of her pieces. Nice. Um, a bunch of people inspired by Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I really know about okay. it. But I'm intrigued. I want to go see it. Yeah. Um, so you're doing a reading. I'm doing a reading, too. A good friend of mine, Paul Harkness, he uh, wrote a play called Hollowed Ground, which deals with um, – Civil War veterans. This is in the turn the turn of the century, mm-hmm. and they are joining up again, and um, and all sorts of drama ensues, as you can expect from a bunch of old Confederates and mm-hmm. old Union <laughs> folks right. getting together. Uh, so that will be on Friday. That's tomorrow, That'll be and fun. Uh, at the uh, New Education Center two zero seven one Addison, um, and this is part of the Berkeley Rep um, oh, Playwrights oh, got Group. Yeah. Okay, uh, and I was part of that playwrights group in t- in 2016, mm-hmm. and so um, and for those who are budding playwrights, that's a wonderful. Gary Graves is the one who right. teaches the class, mm-hmm. and after the class, um, you can show you can have your work showcased. It's basically mm-hmm. a table read, but you know there are people who come in and you get some good constructive criticism, and um, you know it'll be it'll be a nice event. Well, it's so. always nice to hear your piece out loud, right? Right. Yeah. yeah if you yeah. have any that you want to share, please do. Um, I will tell you about the best show that nobody ever gets to see. Oh, Each okay. one, reach one, um, is going to be doing uh, their thing. So they do playwriting and juvie, and so the latest crop of young writers will get their pieces shown on Saturday, oh, nice. and I'll be one of the actors. So nice. You know, we have we have um, they get to invite anybody on their visitors list. So mostly it's family and friends over eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, People connected to each one, reach one, and then the facility. This is in San Francisco, and the uh, facility has become. In fact, the guy who used to be just a guard on the unit is now in charge, and uh, and so he. They they used to look at us. I, I've been doing it for a long time. They used to look at us like artists coming in here and <laughs> causing you know all this drama. Mm-hmm. And now they totally support us, and they like having us in, and they see the effect we have, not only the young men that we work with, but the rest of the unit. They bring the rest of the unit in to see Mm -hmm. the show, and you can see the effect. So it's it's amazing, and it's Mm -hmm. a shame that it's not open to the public, but it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I know you you, you do fantastic work for each one, reach one. I don't think the guards would appreciate that because it makes their job easier. They know that now, but they didn't initially. (laughs) Um, Lisa, did you want to showcase anything? Also, birthdays. Did you have any birthdays? No, I didn't. Okay. Just, I'm going to go off the last year's um, last week's list. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Lisa, did you want to showcase anything or any shows you want you are looking forward to seeing? Um, well, I'm going to be doing a developmental reading with PCSF, so they're going to do oh. mm-hmm. my play. It's a set of plays called "And She Returns," and it's a three 
um, plays actually about women um, kind of reuniting with themselves or their past. Or, you know, oh, um, nice. Uh-huh. Some weird things that I write. When will that be? And um, it'll be October. I think the first Monday of October. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to see some theater works readings this weekend. Oh, cool. Women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it open to the public? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We'll have to uh, put a link uh, to that. Um, there are a couple of birthdays. Uh, I mentioned last week Lauren Grace. Uh, her birthday is was uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Fantastic uh, actress. She was in um, Othello a long, long time ago and a stage manager in. Uh, Avi Jacobson, his birthday is tomorrow. Uh, he's a fantastic uh, Jewish actor, and we did One Ten in the Shade uh, together. Uh, let's see. Mimi Totten. Her birthday is on Tuesday. She was in a musical that I wrote, Nia. Oh, right. Um, and uh, her birthday is on the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, there's a guy, Joel Knopf, who uh, was, he was in, he he participated in the um, musical cafe, um, the showcase that happened this past, this year. Uh-huh. And he was a, um, I forget what, he, he was on the episode of The Yay. Hold on for a second. Oh. I will tell you in a second. Uh, episode 66. That was in May 28th. <laughs> hey. uh, so his birthday is Wednesday. He's 32 years old. And that's young Yeah, yeah youngin. So those are, those are the birthdays that I have. Shows, uh, we talked about this, King of Cuba, Central oh, right. Works. Yes. Oh, yeah, and uh, that is running now through August 26th. So uh, that will be Yeah, I got to say that. That was... Yeah. That was Wacky is probably not the right word for it, but, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, they, they do kind of explode that space and characters and, and story. It's Nice. It's yeah. Um, Bindlestiff d- is doing Stories High 18. Oh, right. Uh, it b- actually opens tonight. So it opens tonight, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday, August 16th, through the 25th. So it's only two weekends. Uh-huh. So if you can't catch it this weekend, you can catch it next weekend. Um, basically, they highlight... Um, young uh, Philippine writers uh-huh. and actors. So if you're a young budding writer, I don't think it's just restricted to Filipino a- uh, actors and writers, but uh, anyone who wants to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, check out Bindlestiff. We'll put the link in there, and you can see the show. And if you have a piece that you want to uh, do for promote, next yeah. promote uh, or do for next year, mm-hmm. uh, go hit them up. Okay. Uh, also, Alterina Playhouse is doing One Man, Two Governors. That's um, it. Opened August the tenth. It runs through September the ninth. Huh. Uh, Cutting Ball Theater is doing Uncle Vanya. Oh that, right. That, that will be um, a month from now, September twenty first through October twenty first, and mm-hmm. we'll have the director for Uncle Vanya um, next week. Uh, ne- the week after next. Yeah. Uh, September first. Oh right. Right. Okay. Uh, Avenue Q. Yay. Uh, that is still running Coastal Rep Theater. Half Moon Bay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that'll be run- that'll be running until August twenty sixth, and we mentioned this uh, last week. The San Francisco Olympians Festival Nine mm-hmm. uh, will be running October the third through the twentieth at the Exit Theater. Um, Alan Coyne has a piece there, the trivia, and mm-hmm. uh, we had our last week's guest, Bridget Dutta Portman, uh, who is doing a piece. Uh, Bella Bellona, she wrote the piece. Oh. And that'll be directed by Jerome Gentes, mm-hmm. uh, who also um, heads up a Play Cafe and Musical Cafe, another place where budding playwrights can submit their pieces. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Uh, those are all of the uh, the links and everything. 
Um, did you have a good time, Lisa? Um, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> ah, hopefully we didn't make you nervous. <laughs> Not at all. You guys are great. Sorry talking about myself. Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, you deserve, you know, you deserve all of the accolades and all of that stuff. I forgot so to ask you, how did you get connected with, um, with Playwright Center? Um, well, I took a, one of those Titan At- Atlas trainings and, um, oh, nice. Bill Hyatt was there and he was talking about Playwright Center and mm-hmm. I just thought I'd explore a little. So I, I, um, like I gave them my money, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of membership and then all these things were coming up. So I, you know, so nice. stuff. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Run by, uh, Charlie Larigo and, yeah. uh, Don Hardwick. They do yeah. a fantastic job. All right. Well, I'm that looking forward to seeing some of your material. This will be cool. Uh, likewise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's such so, a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> theater companies, if you're listening, Lisa Kang, she's a fantastic playwright, and uh, you should uh, uh, think about hitting her up, and we'll have her links. Do you have, um, do you have like a web page? Or, um, I do, yes, lisakong.net. Okay. I'm sorry, I've been saying Kang. Is that wrong? Uh, it's Kong. Kong. It's like K-A-N-G, but yes. pronounced Kong. Got, okay. Yes. LisaKong.net? dot net, yes. Okay, we we will definitely put a link in there. Okay. All righty, uh, let me give you my spiel. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper left hand side, right hand side. I'm sorry, and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me, Reg Space Clay, and Hoosier Hooser for uh, Norman. Lisa, do you have a uh, Twitter um, um, I don't thing? use it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Facebook is I didn't for a too long much. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to, you know, have all these well, links no, and no, all I'm, I'm Twitter addicted now, but, you know. <laughs> In so, fact, the person who got me on Twitter uh-huh. – um, I saw her at the opening, uh, the word for word opening, and she came across the room like, oh, you're on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, it's not that exciting. You're just happy somebody else is, is in yeah. the swimming pool with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I've got, to, I've got to get enough people. I mean, I, I follow some folks, but, you know, I don't want a lot of traffic. Anyway, right, right. you have plenty of ways to link us up if you want to hit us up or you leave comments or whatever. Hit us up and we will take it from there. And we've, we've got, got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Off. And we are out. Yay.